You're listening to Unique Leaders Podcast. I'm Megan DiMartino. Success is in the story. Each week, I'll be speaking with a unique leader, not only in their field, but in their lives. Join us for a glimpse of their passion and talents. There's always a surprise in their story. Be the first to hear. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unique Leaders Live. I'm Megan DiMartino, and it is Friday, and so very excited to have you with us as we have our guest share his story, Rick Austin. But in a minute, we'll bring Rick in, and he will share his Unique Leaders story. I just wanted to say hello to people that have never been on Unique Leaders. Again, I'm Megan DiMartino. I'm your host, and I am a lifelong creator of beauty and a mentoring spirit. I have built several uh, businesses in the beauty industry, two skincare lines, Glycolique, well, Pioneer in Glycolic Acid Alpha Hydroxy Skincare, Medical Grade, which truly revolutionized skincare and Novitas Spa Clinicals. And then I, in 2005, opened a clinical medical spa. And in the pandemic, I was approached by someone and this person asked if I was interested in selling my spa business. So um, after a lot of soul searching, I decided I was going to, because it was time to evolve again and to really help you because my passion and purpose has really been tied to you forever in helping you identify your dreams, goals, and aspirations, your vision, your mission, and taking action. And this show, the uh, Unique Leaders Live, started during the pandemic when I started interviewing people that I knew who had stories to tell. And it so resonated with people, and I decided that it was going to continue on. And so the success of individuals is in their story. And each person has a unique story, and they're absolute leaders as you are. And what I want you to do is sit back and listen to Rick Austin's story and identify yourself because I hear also often, I could never do what you do. How did you do what you do? Uh, things like that. And I ask everyone that I interview uh, and visit with, you know, that I'm sure you ask the same thing. And, and honestly, you will see yourself through Rick's story from beginning to end. So know that it is never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my very special guest this week, Rick Austin. Hello, Rick. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so humbled. My pleasure, truly my pleasure. I have gotten to know you over the last year or so, and it has been uh, <clears throat> just a joy, Rich. Uh, Rick, I, I know a Rich, and all these Ricks and Ricks, but um, it has been a joy to get to know you. And the thing, as I shared in my introduction, that Unique Leaders really started out of a time and a season when people needed hope, and they needed, you know, to see there, there were possibilities even during this very challenging time. And um, so I just continued on with it and people love it. And so what I'd like to do without me babbling on, we have put in our, you know, uh, material on Facebook and social media, your bio, but I don't want to babble on here about your story. So let's start with young Rick and where you grew up. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Megan. Uh, what an honor and privilege, privilege it is to share uh, share my story. Uh, I've been asked to share my story a couple of times. Um, and so what an honor. Uh, I grew up in Chicago. Um, I grew up pretty much on the south side of Chicago. Um, I'm a I'm from a family of six siblings. I'm sorry, five siblings, total six of us. I have an older brother. Mm -hmm. um, I have four sisters that are younger than me. Uh, two of those are twins. And uh, so, yeah, we grew up on the south side of Chicago. Um, you know, a, I, I like to say a traditional family home, but maybe it was non-traditional in the fact that mm -hmm. even though my mom and dad were uh, together when we, you know, when I was first born, probably by the time I was, I think I was 13, Mm -hmm. They had uh, already separated and divorced, and probably leading up to that, it was uh, just one of those broken homes. Mm -hmm. uh, but my mom did a, uh, I think, 
a phenomenal job to the best of our ability to try to uh, like try to keep us siblings together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very much uh, a part of my mother's life, uh, who, who who doesn't you know lives up the street from me. And I, while I don't hold any remorse, any type of regret or any type of hurt feelings toward my father. Uh, from that time, we've never really been able to spark a relationship. And, uh, so it's just, it just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is what it is. Um, and so he's still living. He's yes. Still living. Uh, he is still living and he still lives in the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just never really had a relationship. And I think, uh, maybe my siblings would have a kind of a similar story. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You went from, um, the you know growing up in Chicago and yeah. you went uh, did you go to college at, right out of high school or did you go into uh, to uh, I don't want to share where you went I want you to share that but sure, uh, I'll do that. yeah no yeah. problem um well just prior to talking about um some of those dynamics uh, mm-hmm. because of the dynamic in our family um my mom really wasn't able to take care of all of us as some way so then um, extended family like chipped in, which I owe a lot to my grandmother and an uncle, uh, my you know my my mother's brother who uh, who really took on kind of a legal guardianship role of us. But during that very turbulent time in Chicago, I would have went to four elementary schools and four high schools, mm-hmm. um, and the last high school that I went to. Uh, would be about 40 miles away. Um, and me and my brother had made the decision that we were going to finish at, we we're going to finish our high school years at this particular high school um, called Bloom Trail in, in, uh, in South Chicago Heights. So that would have meant that we had to travel. We had an address in that proximity, mm-hmm. but that would have meant that we had to travel, in this case, from the west side of Chicago. So we would take the train, the elevated train, and then two additional buses to get to school. And we did that for the last two years of high school. And I couldn't have done it without my brother. Right. Uh, and so. And vice versa, I'm sure, meaning it was that that connection together. You did it together. Yes, because I probably wouldn't have been able. It was. It was a very challenging time. Growing up in Chicago, uh, what you hear about Chicago mm-hmm. um, being the segregated place it is with the problems that exist, uh, those problems kind of existed back then, except mm-hmm. we have a lot more media coverage now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the grace of God, I was able to have a different outcome there, and so was my brother. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, you want me to continue on from there? Well, you you finished high school, you and your brother, and then... Yeah. Did you go to college? Uh, not right away. Um, the intention was is that I would kind of enter into the workforce a little bit, and and now I'm older now, and I decided I was going to help help my mom, and so I, I had like probably two or three different jobs out of high school, uh, not with any real direction, but the intention was to provide some financial income mm-hmm. because I was actually living back with my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would be, and that only lasted for about a year. Um, but it would be in that time that uh, one of those jobs, I met a gentleman, we'll just say he was a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, and this gentleman was actually going to college, but he was actually working at a department store um, in his, you know, when he wasn't going to college. And he was also doing some things that I come to know and getting to meet him that were illegal because this, this gentleman was selling, selling drugs, but not on the corner. He was at a different level of selling, selling narcotics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not the way I kind of got introduced to him. We got introduced because we were at the same uh, department store and he just decided that he would get to know me and I would get to know him. Um, and things were really tough for my family, right? Those three jobs didn't really amount to much money. Um, and my mom had a, it was just a tough time. Mm-hmm. And I had toyed with the idea because it was presented with, 
to me. Mind you, I've never did any drug, even to this day, I've never had any anything other than prescription drugs or vitamins in this body. But but I had that I definitely had toyed with the idea of, hey, could I possibly do something like this to um to help help my family out? And um it was um it was it was a trying time, but I because I was very close to my mom, I actually shared with my mom what I was considering doing. Mm -hmm. And of course, my mom was one hundred percent against yes. against that. Um, and it would be maybe uh, shortly thereafter that I'd be walking past or a uh, a recruiter station, and and I just thought, let me go in there and see what they're offering. I mean, I graduated at the top 10% of my class mm -hmm. in school. When I tell you I was like on a fence for making a decision, it was because it was a really trying time. Mm -hmm. and I get it. No. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and I didn't know I had any other options. So that's, I want to stop for a minute because yeah. what you're saying to our viewers you know, there's so many times that we get to those road, those crossroads in our lives. And like you've said many times now, you've repeated the same words. It was a trying time. I can feel it in my spirit, you know, uh, because I was a single parent myself. And so I can I can feel it. And so but you being a conscientious individual and caring person, you said, I need to help. And at that crossroads, thank God you shared with your mother because you might have uh, gone into corporate drug sales, you know? Uh, yes. But then because of that crossroads, it's like that movie Sliding Doors. You saw then the recruiter sign and went in. So continue. Yes. And so I can remember uh, where I was at. I was in a, I was on a, I was uh, if, if you're familiar with Illinois, uh, I was just on the border of Chicago and Oak Park River Forest. Um, and it was in the recruiter station in Oak Park River Forest that I walked in and said, uh, hey, uh, I stopped with the Marines and the Air Force and the Army. And it was the Army who took more of an interest in me in that time. And so, you know, you go through all the, the process of getting tested. Um, and then getting selected. And I pretty much qualified for almost any job that the military had at the time. And so I made a decision that I would go into uh, that I would go into the military. I didn't ask for permission. I think my mom would have said <laughs> she probably wouldn't have approved of it when she found out that I signed up. She she really didn't approve of it because she she just had a, a mindset about the military that was, uh, I think, just kind of jaded. Um, but I like to say it was the best decision ever made for me. You know, I can walk past, I walk past that recruiter station, I think by the grace of God. Um, but as the story unfolds and we'll talk about, I think I'll be able to, to, not that I have to prove it, but I think I'll be able to, to put on display that it was the best decision ever made for me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so glad I took that opportunity. I enlisted in 1989 mm -hmm. as a enlisted soldier. Uh, I started off in basic training, I'm sorry, in, uh, in the reserves first. I didn't immediately go into the active duty until about six or eight months later when I I went through basic and I went through my advanced individual training. I started out in the nursing, um, in the medical side of things, which is pretty much, you know me, Megan, that's probably, that's true to form. Like I love people. I love taking care of folks. And so it's very natural to start to want to do a job that involved like something medical. Mm -hmm. And so I would do the basic training and then the advanced individual training, which was more on the medical side. And then I would come back home and I would feel like, what did I just go through? I'm in the reserves now. And now I'm doing um, one weekend a month and I don't feel the same that I feel that I felt when I was going through my training. Like, and so it wouldn't be long. I mean, a period of maybe uh, two or three months after getting back that I decided to go on to active duty, I would have to take the test again, but I wouldn't have to go through basic. And as long as I met those requisite uh, test scores, I could do the same job. And so in 1989, I went overseas to Korea on active duty for my first tour um, as what they call a preventive medicine specialist. Hmm. So, 
And now, as uh, you use the term nursing, did you then get specialized training in that? Yes. Yeah, so it would be about, uh, and that, that is a bit of a fast forward. That's kind of like the, the culminating. I actually had maybe three different military occupational specialties in the medical field, mm -hmm. but the last of which uh, would be nursing when I went through the Army's licensed practical nursing program, which was a, uh, a year long, a year and a half long course that culminated with me taking the national exam for a licensed practical nurse. Mm -hmm. You know, you go through the training, but you still had to take this. I still had to take the state, um, the state exam for Texas in this case. That's why I went through training. Mm -hmm. um, so, but in that period of because we just jumped, if I jumped to nursing, we just passed, we just we just went fast forward almost 10 years. I see. Oh, yes, I see. Now they want me to back up just oh, No, no, no. No, unless there's nuggets that you want to share from it. But um, no, I mean, that's the overview of, you know, from going in and then, like you said, going from reserve to active duty and training, but staying in that medical genre and that medical field in um, in the Army. Yes. Yes. In the army. And so um, I also did uh, what we call float pool nursing. So on, there were times when I would go to the local hospital and, and because I had a license, I could during my off duty time, I could work in local hospitals. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, could you do that today? If you, um, no, because I started doing other things in the military mm -hmm. uh, uh, where I spent, uh, where I started, so I let my I let my I had to let my nursing license lapse. It's one of those things where you you have to keep up with with the mm -hmm. time. And so, um, but having said that, I mentioned something about Korea, and I just want to say yes, was my first tour in uh, in the army. It was the worst year of my life in the military because I was a young kid that knew everything. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you would think basic and advanced individual training would have worked out some of the weirdness in my mind. Mm -hmm. But in that first year, the only great thing that came out of Korea was I met my wife, who I'm still with after almost 30 years. Yes, sir. It would be, be at the end of, almost at the end of my tour that our paths crossed. I had no idea we'd be getting married, but I knew when I saw her and we talked, that she could possibly be the one for me. And so she would leave and go back to her hometown, her country in England. And then I would leave and go to a next duty assignment in West Point, New York. Uh, I think the, I think really God had intended for us to meet. And um, after that, my career got a lot better. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Well, you know, there's like Korea, West Point. That's that's quite a, you know, a change, just, yeah. just the locale and so forth. But also better for uh, your wife, I'm sure, being from England to come to uh, the West Point. I mean, when she became your wife. Uh, later yes. on. We are uh, a great thing you mentioned there about um, we didn't obviously we didn't get married right away. It would be almost a year later. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have cell phones, as you know. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no internet. Uh, we kept a long distance relationship through writing uh, letters and I would call. So we in my letter I tell her when I was going to call, right? So <laughs> and at some point, because um, I was assigned to West Point, I was not a. I was not a cadet at West Point. Right, I assumed that. Right. Um, I I did have that. I did apply for that while we were dating. I did apply for that, and I did get accepted mm. uh, to attend at least the United States Military Academy Preparatory School. West Point was actually going to send me there mm -hmm. uh, because I said my life had changed mm -hmm. when I got to West Point. Part of it was for Nick, and the other part was, and I truly believe this was my um, – there were some folks that took an active interest in me and introduced me to Jesus that, you know, who I profess to be my Lord and Savior. And it was at West Point that a lot of things began to change for me. Um, and so I wasn't really thinking about asking Nick to marry me. I was thinking about how can I be this great soldier? Um, 
Mm-hmm. And so I had applied for West Point and West Point themselves had said, yes, we will send you to the prep school and then you, you'll you come back to West Point. And so I accepted that. But what happened was I also invited Nick to come visit with me. And then I would go to England and visit with her. And it was in the time that I went to England to visit with her that I just felt like, I don't think I could live without this girl. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her when I was when I went to visit England and met her family for the first time. That would be like around the six month mark of our relationship. Oh, wow. Um, and she said, I'll marry you. I mean, I would love to marry you, but you got to ask my dad. <laughs> so so I had to ask Jim, my father in law. Uh, and uh, he was on board. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> But, Although you're uh, a Yankee, I mean, that meant she would leave, but, you know. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that was tough because Nick was kind of, is, is also from a broken home, and she's very close to her dad, too. Mm-hmm. So for her to, to they, you know, they never really met me. Here yeah. I am here. She, all they know is what she told them about me. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was grateful that I could, like, that they could see the same thing. Yes. Uh, but then... I had to give up West Point. Uh, at that point, when I asked Nick to marry me, I had to give up West Point because you cannot be married and be a cadet. Um, and so I had to, I had to tell my, my folks that invested in me that I really think that it's in my best interest to marry this girl. <laughs> so, and so while some people were kind of upset uh, because they saw some leadership traits in me uh, that they thought could be brought out by West Point, I think God had a different plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah we got married uh at right about the year mark of us being together and then she came to west point i was still working at west point and then we just started doing life and doing life and doing life in the military means moving 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 mm-hmm. it, it, nick nick actually counted this you know we spent almost 26 years on active duty mm-hmm. and we moved 25 times. Um, and some of that is hey, you get to a new location, they don't have housing available, so you got to live on the economy. But then housing comes available, so then you move on posts. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it saves some money or vice versa. Um, so some of those involve short, short tenures in locations, but that is the that that was the life of a soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, is in, in order to get promoted during that time. You really had to uh, to move around and be willing to move around, mm-hmm. and your family had to be okay with that. Yes, uh, we we spent um, so I'll just say you know we spent three years at West Point, so now we now we've tacked on four year, four years of me being in the military, mm-hmm. and then and by the way, when I told you that my life had changed at West Point um, because somebody had took enough interest to to tell me about Jesus and that he could be my personal Lord and Savior. Um, you got to know when I heard that, that took me back just a little bit in the memory of before I even met Nick and before I even left uh, Chicago, because I can remember being in a phone booth when they had phone booths <laughs> that's broken about the circumstances in our life and saying to a God who I really didn't know, Lord, I've heard about you if you can do anything to change, let it start with me. Let a legacy begin with me because I really had grew up on just brokenness. So to hear about Jesus for the first time and that I could have a personal relationship, that's really what changed my outlook and my perspective and my motivation. And then I just started, I remember reading this one particular scripture that says, to remain as you're called. And I'm like, well, I'm a soldier. Right, and then you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I'm like, well, man, I think I could be a really good soldier. And then while I was at West Point, I was, you know, I was what they call a soldier of the month. These are competitions: soldier of the quarter, soldier of the year, non-commissioned officer of the quarter. Um, everything just started to change for me. I had Nick with me. Mm-hmm. Our first son was born there. Um, that experience at West Point culminated with me going to getting selected for the licensed practical nursing program. And so here we are moving out to Fort Sam, but also Fort Bliss to complete that training. 
Um, so yeah, a lot had changed for me, but I think a lot of it was because when I walked past that recruiter station, like God knew what I needed. He knew I needed this route, this fork in the road. Well, you had already asked. You had already asked in the phone booth. Yes, you're so right. That's and I. It takes me back to that all the time because when you ask, you don't always think that you're. You don't think that that there's a God who's even hearing you. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really grow up with a relationship. I didn't grow up with a relationship with Christ at all. Matter of fact, I thought that 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 Christ was like I really thought this was like a white thing because I see all these 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 monuments and stuff like that and in neighborhoods and and none of them was kind of reflective of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just didn't know because nobody ever really told me. But I think God was setting that stage mm-hmm. yes. for, for it to unfold how it is. Mm-hmm. I've been unfolding. So. It's, and it continues to unfold. And so you, um, at some, well, you also were deployed during these many moves. Uh, and I guess after, like you said, your nursing um, career took a different direction and you went into another direction in the military. So why don't you share a little bit about that? Because yeah. male viewers, I think that they didn't find this very interesting. Sure, yes. Well, one of the things that I really love about the military was training. And and I was pretty good. I worked my way up the ranks to being in the enlisted side, to being what's called a staff sergeant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I also did the drill sergeant piece where I was a drill sergeant for a couple of years. That's something that you laterally do. Mm-hmm. If you're asked to do it, or if you ask to do it, the military would love to have you do it so you could train soldiers. Um, and so it would be after my nursing that I spent the next two years as a drill instructor, went through that course, did really well. And then I started training brand new soldiers in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after those two years, I'm like, well, Lord, what do I do next? Like, is there, I, I wasn't sure because the medical medical side of the military was going through a huge transition and i think i had met all the gates to making my next two ranks and i was i just felt like there was something missing there and so i got the opportunity um to apply for and get selected for the um united states army flight school training uh so that meant two things that meant that i was leaving the medical side, but I was also leaving the enlisted side of things. I would, uh, after my um, after my drill sergeant stint, I went to Fort Rucker, Alabama, and as a warrant officer candidate, I would go through the six-week warrant officer candidate program, graduate from that very um, humbling, <laughs> humbling course, mm-hmm. and then I would start flight training as a U.S. Army helicopter pilot. And that training would take me a little over a year to complete that training. Um, I graduated again at the top of my class. I only meant, I'm going to keep highlighting some of those things because mm-hmm. apart from my relationship with the Lord, I don't think I would have been in anybody's top of anybody's class, but my motivation was Please do highlight those things because again, it's to show people that it's about that, that um, heart, that will, that desire to continue to better and to continue on. Yes. And so I really wanted to be this, this great soldier that uh, the army could be proud of, but my family could be proud of. Mm-hmm. So I would spend after flight school, I would I would start flying um, uh, an aircraft called the UH-60 Blackhawk, um, and I would fly that uh, first in Germany. I took my family to Germany from flight school, um, but I feel like I kind of left them. By this time, Jordan has been born, so now we have Nick my wife, of course, and Julian and Jordan, and now we're in Germany together. Um, I kind of like, because of all the all the deployments, I didn't see them that much when I was in Germany for those three years because we were doing a lot of training, but then we were also deploying. Like I deployed to Kosovo uh, to do flight, do flight missions out, out there. Um, I would deploy to Iraq. Um, and so those three years were kind of a blur for me. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'll say this, that brought some problems. That's just, the, that's when you hear about problems with soldiers uh, and their family members, that's usually because 
the, the requirements of the job. Mm -hmm. And that was a time, of course, when 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. And so we were ramping up for good reasons. Mm -hmm. But that definitely brought some, some gaps in the relationship, which by, thank God, by 2004, we were able to mend. Um, but it wouldn't come without some sacrifice and some, some, some challenges. And we look back now and say, well, thank God that we stuck together during that time. And we think it's because of the grace of God that we did. Mm -hmm. But I would, I would finish my first tour in Iraq. I would come back to Germany, get my family, and then I would bring them to Central Texas here in the Austin area. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would leave them again to go to Fort Benning, Georgia, because the reason I left Iraq without my unit, which I didn't mention, I, I left a little bit earlier, like a couple of months earlier, is because I got selected to attend the Officer Candidate School, the U.S. Army's Officer Candidate School, because it had always been my desire to one day be a, uh, you know, I was a warrant officer, but I always wanted to like lead soldiers. Mm -hmm. and, and God would, God would make it so after about, X number of years of me being in the military while I had some experience. So I would I would leave them in Austin and then I would go to Fort Benning, Georgia for about 14 and a half weeks and do my training, uh, but get commissioned as a lieutenant. And then I would come back to Austin and the army was so gracious and God was so gracious, really. He used the army is I didn't immediately have to go back onto active duty they let me take a break to finish my my degree, my undergraduate, because in the military, if you're motivated, you'll do one class here, one class here, one class here. And so I had a lot of college credit, credits not concentrated in any one particular area because we were moving a lot, which I was able to, um, to get a concentrated um, effort in Concordia University. Like they picked me up. And so... Concordia allowed me to to to, to do my, my college at their accelerated degree program. They did something that they had never allowed any other students to do that were working students is they let me take extra classes because they realized that I wasn't really working. The Army had let me take a break while they still paid me, and all I could do was go to school. And I did really, really well. I graduated on two National Honor Societies, Alpha Chi, Alpha Sigma Lambda, uh, maintained a 3.67 grade average, was on the dean's list twice. Um, and so, and it was fun. It was a great way to honor my family too, you know. And how old were you at this point? How old were you? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I think I was uh, maybe uh, in, in 35. Yeah, I was yeah, 30. 30. So, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. yeah because it's, that's something I always uh, share with people. And I think this is a good point to say this, is that, um you know, people, and I mentioned this in my introduction, but, you know, I could never do this. I could never do what you do. But, and I'll also hear, you know, I'm 30 and I've been in a job for 10 years and I don't know what to do. Is it too late? Too late, you know, or I'm 50, I'm bored to tears. I've been in a career job, but I'm too young to retire. Is it too, um, is it too late? It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. You know, and that's what you're sharing here. You're sharing that you um, were given that uh, um, guidance by the Holy Spirit, and and but you can, but you had to do the work yourself, and, and keep open and uh, listen and keep going. And the one thing I also I'd like to say is I do know your wife, and as a female, I will say that um, the, even though those times were tough. Uh, she uh, she amazes me of her, you know, a lady with a drill, you know, it's like Rosie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, we all grow from what is given to us. Sorry, my puppies are acting up. Uh -oh. <laughs> it's like, where are you going? <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I just don't want them to interrupt us. That's okay. <laughs> There we go. Okay. Sorry. I bet I bet that's never happened on your show. I would say that's a, that's a first. Not you know Hollywood. This is yeah, this real life. life. This is real life. Exactly. Yeah. 
So, but what I the, the, I really wanted to share that it's never too late to go back to school to do whatever you that is going to enhance your life, um, and do, but also stay in the um, like you've said again that it was important to, to you to continue to grow and not only for yourself but your career in the um, you know army but also your family. Yes, ma'am. Well, it's the um... It's the it's the thing that drives me is legacy. Like we are going, like I'm gonna leave a legacy. You know, it's and and in that phone booth, I was reminded to ask God for that. And then now, look, looking back after those years, God being faithful to say yes, I'm doing that. But I'm doing that every single day mm-hmm. that you make a decision to live for me. Like I, the, the scripture that always just drives me is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, but I got to do it. Um, if he gives me the opportunity to do it, I have to walk through it. Um, he never promised me that um, it would be easy. He just said, it'll be worth it because of your legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's so important for my kids, for my wife and for my kids. You know, now we have Hadley, you know, so, you know, Hadley was not an accident. <laughs> she, she was planned. Like God planned for, for Hadley to be my daughter, be my as a next daughter. She was you know? so, yeah. Um, and so yeah, so every single step of the way, it's been um every opportunity. I said, mm-hmm. Well, Lord, if you open the door, then I'll, I'll walk through it because I think it's so much bigger than me. Um, I don't know the impact that it's gonna make. Um but if I go ahead and walk through that door that's open to me and I put in the hard work and the effort, um, then it's going to pay off and it may pay off for more than just me. Like God is never just one dimensional. So he's always thinking about that, that in which I asked him for, you know, which is a better legacy. And so I feel like we're living it. Um, well, I just want to share um, Sharon Lecter, who um, a dear friend who was the co-author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. She shares that to be number one in your field, to create maximum impact and live your legacy. Yes. And that's what you just shared, you know, that you're, as it evolves, you're living your legacy. So was it a difficult decision for you uh, to, um, and I'm sure it was both you and Nick making this decision, but to leave the um, military after 27 years? Um, It was, it was, it was, it was difficult for me, but it was not, too difficult for me to please my wife. And the reason why I say that is because I, I promised Nick that if she ever wanted us to like call it quits, then we find a way to call it quits. Now, at the moment when we say that, we knew it would take a year because you can't just walk into the your commander's office and say, hey, I'm, I'm done now. <laughs> it, it would take a year. Um, but once we made that decision, then, um, well, I, I take that back. We made the decision twice. Initially, we made the, and then we pulled back on it, right? But then we made it, when we ultimately made that decision, uh, it would be in 2014 that we retire. Um, and I didn't, um, while it was tough because it's just, you're so used to that. And I, mm-hmm. I, I retired at the rank of captain, but I was selected for my next rank. They dangle that carrot right when I was like on terminal leave. Say, hey, you just made the majors list. Don't you want to stay? Um, but I had already made a decision. And so we just went in that path. It'd be 2014 that we retired. Mm-hmm. And then Nick and I would open up, and this is kind of fulfilling her dream. We would open up a fitness business. We'd done some businesses online. Um, that were that were successful at, online mm-hmm. uh, with helping people out, but then we wanted to like open a full fledged facility, um, and so we did that under uh, the CrossFit Corporation. Although we had loads of experience, I'll just say that in a nutshell. Everywhere we went, Nick had all these credentials for fitness. <laughs> uh, I was a master fitness trainer during my time in the military when I was a drill instructor. So we had a lot of uh, breadth and depth. We knew what we were getting into. So when we retired in 2014, we launched a business outside of Fort Polk, Louisiana, in Leesville, Louisiana. It was a CrossFit business. It's called CrossFit G23. And the reason why we had to launch it is because during that last year in the military, people were, we had 50 people meeting at our house. Yeah, like, <laughs> we're like, we can't keep doing this outside our house because 
one, we're all we're on government quarters and people are, our neighbors or our other military members are kind of being upset. So, but God would open a door for us to get a building in Leesville that had been closed for 10 years and the owners were not selling to anybody, but they decided to sell to us. And the business did so well that we would hire those folks that owned the building because they were welders to put an extension on the building for us because we had ballooned up to almost 250 people running different types of classes. And of course, it wasn't just Nick and I. It's like God has sent us a bunch of uh, people that were qualified to train. And so we probably had 10 instructors as well that we were really managing. But we knew we weren't going to stay there. We knew that Fort Polk was just going to be a we knew that our heart was in Texas and we're going to be back to Texas. So we sold that business for profit um, at just the right time at almost about three years in, uh, sold it to some locals and we got back to Texas as quick as we could. We got back in this area. And then um, um, what did I do for work is I like, well, man, I really love Highway Patrol. <laughs> I wonder will they, I wonder do they need any help? So I would apply for uh, Highway Patrol um and of course uh, at austin police department um and both of them would ask me if i would continue on through the process i would accept highway patrol's offer um and graciously turn down austin which i think austin is a great uh, police department uh but then i would go through six months of resident training where i was resident i wasn't at home <laughs> but i would see my family on the weekend uh did really well and then i would after those six months, um, I would be a highway patrolsman for uh, for about three years. Mm -hmm. and I would do that job, but I was very much connected to my church during that time. Um, uh, Celebration Church uh, was main campus is headquartered here in Georgetown. Of course, we got other campuses, um, and I just really connected with the lifeblood of volunteering there and the people on staff and other volunteers, and it just seemed to seemed to be such a great place. And then I was asked to apply for a position there, um, and, of which we prayed about um, because I love doing highway patrol, mm -hmm. uh, but I also felt a strong calling to, uh, to do this. And so I've, I've been what we call a campus support director on staff at the church uh, for a little over two years, uh, but we've been at the church for six years. Um, and really, that's the director over all things safety related. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's been a, been a rich blessing. And we, we do life here in this area. We love it. We love the church. We love yeah, you and right. all the other folks. I want to ask you a question, though, before we go yeah, into that. Yeah. Um, because there is a true tie together with everything that you do have done to what you're doing currently. Uh, but there is such a um, challenge with the military when people get out of the military and finding their way. Um, and because it's very clear why that is, I mean, at least to myself, because it's so structured. And like you said, you're, uh, uh, you said, I love the training. So there's always opportunity to grow and to evolve and to learn. But then when it, but it's, it's, upon the structure of the military to offer that and you accept it and do it. But when you get out, you have to be your own motivator. And uh, is that one of the main problems um, with uh, the individual after they get out of the military? I just, you know, it, when you're in the military, it's always mission. It's always believing in something greater than yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, soldiers that don't capture that, they don't last very long in the military because it's got to be greater. Like you're a part of the whole. You're great. You're important, but you're a part of the whole. And when you're in the units, people, you know, you can identify because you're in that same unit, that battalion or that higher regiment. I mean, you, and so everybody's focused. When you come out, you really got to, you got to have something to, you know, when you're in, I'll say this, when you're in the military, you almost think this is eternal. I love this. This is like, I'm going to do this forever. Right. But everybody leaves the military. Mm -hmm. Everybody sure. leaves. And so for, for me, uh, I think what was really strategic and important 
is that we didn't just leave the military community right away. You know, when we got when we got off of active duty, we set up uh we started doing life and I was still doing life with people that were still on active duty. Yes. But I had this connection slash disconnection, but it was a healthy way of transitioning out for, for us. Mm-hmm. As I get back into that civilian of which I'm not really familiar with, and the civilian life is not structured like that. You have mm-hmm. to find that. That's right. And so for me, though, having, a, some, having something eternal in my life, like having Jesus in my life, it wouldn't matter where I go. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to take him with me. And that has some internal value mm-hmm. and motivation for how I live, whether it's in the military or out. Mm-hmm. But you really do need to have this transition time mm-hmm. and it be okay with you um, not going cold. Like you just don't want to go cold turkey because a civilian... Civilian life is never going to understand the military life. The military is never going to never going to operate like the civilian life. Right. You know. So. And I think also your relationship with your wife uh, was a very very important piece to that. Like you said, uh, stay, the fifty people on your front lawn doing their you know their physical training, right? And but yeah. your neighbors were your buddies in the military, and some of them were on your lawn doing their workouts. And so when you opened the gym, you know, like you said, you were right there. So that's a, I can see that being a very important piece because as an entrepreneur, you have, and you've talked about doing uh, businesses with your wife and and having success. So you've learned the the structure of business. So you applied the structure of business with the same discipline that you learned in the military because to be an, an entrepreneur, you must have discipline. Yes, and I will tell you, Nick. Nick has been my everything, and keeping us grounded mm-hmm. in that civilian life. You know what I was really, what I was really cautious about doing is not making Nick feel like she could, you know, she had to be confined just because we were at a, you know, the army took us somewhere. Um, I'm like. Honey, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, I want to support as best I can. We took that out into when we got out of the military. And I'm like, well, she's been doing life out here. And whatever I can do to help her be successful, mm-hmm. because she is was so instrumental in me being successful in the military. Mm-hmm. I'm like, when we turn this around, whatever you need to do to be successful i want to i want to i want to return or more than return the favor not that i could uh, there's some things that if nick was not i i could never repair for being the loving person that she's been and the sacrifices um but now i feel like well it's her turn mm-hmm. to do these things that that god's had on her heart to do and she's been tied to the civilian life her whole time mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah well, it's it, it, you know the the term of a woman behind the man. Uh, you know, I've had the blessing to observe the two of you working together, and it's it's truly I can see. You know, I've just recently gotten to know you, um, you, um, and it's very clear that you, the relationship that you both have, is part of the success that you both have. It's it's very clear. It's beautiful yeah. to watch. It's beautiful to watch. Thank you. Yeah. I keep saying that she keeps renewing my contract. This year we'll celebrate our 30th uh, wedding anniversary. I don't know if she's putting stuff in my in, in my uh, non-alcoholic beverages or whatever, but she keeps renewing my contract. So I'm like, great. I got another year with the woman I love. <laughs> well, during the uh, uh, lockdown, one of my uh, things, one of the things that I so look forward to was your shenanigans together, um, doing all sorts of, uh, you know, um, a karaoke type of things at like midnight, you know, that, you know, the best of uh, Nick and Rick, but it was, it was great to watch. That the was t- our pleasure. That was our pleasure. We got a lot of feedback from our friends. Mm-hmm. And even if they didn't know, they were like, thank you so much for doing that. That made my day. It really so made our day too. So it was really great. So now you're <clears throat> at Celebration, and um, which is a wonderful church here in the Austin um, Market Metroplex, and uh, Georgetown was the first uh, church. And um, I start when I moved to Georgetown in 
2004-5, I um, went to Celebration Church and when it was at Chisholm Trail. And so I've, you know, and I, then I was part of the team that, you know, I didn't, I wouldn't say I had anything to do with it, but the, the opening of the church on the hill, you know, that, that story, uh, that profound story, it's in itself, you know, of, of God's grace and, and just, uh, you know, providence guiding us to things, you know. If you, were, if you were to ask our senior pastors, Megan Pastor, Joe and Pastor Lori Champion, mm -hmm. if you were to ask them whether you had something to do with it, they would say, absolutely. Uh, Celebration just celebrated its, um, its 20 years uh, of being a church. Um, and it started in Austin with, a, with It Is Austin, and it's grown. The main campus is in Georgetown, but there's a campus in Central Austin. Mm -hmm. There's a hub campus that meets currently in homes, but also gets together once a month called our Southwest mm -hmm. Campus. But we have campuses in Mozambique, Africa, champions from K to twelve in Mozambique, Africa, Italy, and, and in, in Italy, in Caserta, outside of Naples, we have a mm -hmm. campus there. That's, I mean, just all the campuses are thriving, even during this this pandemic. Um, uh, it's just been a big blessing uh, uh, for celebration and maybe churches like like celebration to have a heart towards people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so honored and and humbled and privileged to to be working and serving there and serving our community at the same time. Everything has a season. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna ride it till the wheels fall off until God tells me to do something else. Because it is my legacy. If he never tells me to do anything else, then I'll be doing this. <laughs> so absolutely. And with your and with your hundred percent. And I as you're speaking, I'm thinking how um the, the uh, synergistic with all of your background, bringing it to, uh, you know, the church world. It's just really beautiful to see that as well, to help people um, help themselves. It's really important. Well, as we close this, um, I'm going to ask you, like I ask every guest, um, the same questions. And they are um, tied to a book Three Feet from Gold, uh, written by, I mentioned Sharon Lecter earlier, and Greg Reed. And it's part of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And um, Napoleon Hill himself was an amazing motivator and um, just a prolific writer. But this book what it essentially is fiction. And it starts off with a story of a gentleman buying a, a East Coast guy during the gold rush and he um, had stars in his eyes and went west and bought a, a vein and, um, you know, a piece of land to chip away and find that gold. And so he um, started, you know, buying his tools and getting ready and started, you know, chipping away at this property. And it was a lot of work and very frustrating. And he continued doing it. And the townies were watching this guy as he was chipping away and he was getting very frustrated. And so finally, one day he said, I'm done, I'm done. And he sold his um, property to this townie. And he, that guy jumped in and chiseled away and in three feet hit a vein, three feet from gold. Wow. And so this man, um, and, and it's, it's, it is fiction, but it's autobiographical on some level. But the latter part of the story goes into then modern day. But um, they took the piece of that from a guy that that did happen. And he went back to the East Coast and started an insurance company and never gave up. But the uh, but Sharon in the book has what she calls the success formula. And it is your passion plus talent times association, times action, plus faith equals success. Now, I'm not going to ask you each piece of that. But what I do ask each person is, what is your passion, Rick? And what is your talent? Well, my passion is, is people, right? My passion is like, how do I love, how do I love people? Um, um, and you said, what is my talent? Mm -hmm. 
I just took this Clifton Strength Finders test. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of gave me, gave me some, gave me some more context. But no, I would have to say my talent is my ability to get things done. <laughs> like I, I think people um, say that a lot. Like, if you really want something done, like maybe you might want to give it to Rich. <laughs> Um, I, think faith, I think my faith drives that, the, the inherent responsibility that I take on. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's my passion would be people. Mm -hmm. uh, and then my talent would be the ability to get things done. Um, so by the grace of God. And by the grace of God. And you've shared that throughout, <clears throat> excuse me, you have shared this essence of you, um, but it has just been honed and, and nurtured through all of these experiences of starting and not stopping and keeping on. Yes. Well, thank you, sir, for blessing us with your story. Uh, true story, a unique leader. And uh, like you said, whatever you're supposed to do um, with that voice, um, you know, you will continue on with God's, you know, guidance and whatever you, know, you will be doing it. So I look forward to visiting again and seeing what the Lord has bring to you. Thank you so much, Megan. It's, it's such an honor to be on Unique Leaders Live. Thank you very much. My pleasure. So hang tight, go into the green room, and we'll be back. All right. Will do. Thank you. Be blessed. You as well. Wow. What a story. And there's so much more I could have asked Rick, but I wanted Rick to share uh, the essence of how he has taken a grown from potential being a drug dealer to uh, turning away from that world based on a righteousness, so to speak, meaning it was really from helping his family was the motivation of that. It wasn't any negativity, it was, but he would have led down a different road. We all have roads to travel. Um, we all have journeys. We all have stories. And just listen to this again. There's so many nuggets of wisdom. There's so many nuggets of uh, truth in uh, Rick's story. So what I would love you to do is to go to uh, YouTube and subscribe because uh, we're building our YouTube channel, the Megan DiMartino channel. And um, I don't even know where we are today, but we started out at about three and you have to be at 100 for people to really find us more organically. So if you could, uh, I know we've grown, but I would love you to go to YouTube and, and listen to this again and subscribe to this, but also share this a segment out because there's so many people that are struggling today that possibly have been in the military, possibly have had similar stories to uh, Rick. I'm going to have Rick back because there's other things that I would like to uh, speak, uh, um, have Rick speak to you about because there's so, so many nuggets of richness that will help people through this period of time. So we will see Rick uh, again. But if you could share this out on my Facebook pages, uh, Megan Martino, official Megan Martino, but which is my business page, but also my personal page, because that's where it's played out of also, but we'd like to segment it over to the business page. Uh, and it truly will help. Put those stars up, put those likes up, and comments. I uh, see Elizabeth here commenting a lot of uh, people coming on today, but the comments uh, really help people find us as well. So if you could do that, that would truly be very helpful. You can also find these segments on megandimartino.com. They're always there. So if you've missed something or want to go back, because I've had the blessing to interview some amazing people that have amazing stories uh, that, again, their secret of their story or their success, rather, is in their story. So go to there as well. So YouTube, and we'll do a replay of this on Monday. And then, of course, on megandimartino.com and the live stream. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will see you next week. I am going to have the amazing, the illustrious uh, developer of and, and founder and creator of the Heal and Comfort shirt, the one and only Sherry Matthews, will be with us next Friday. So I'll see you during the week, but see you next Friday on Unique Leaders. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Unique Leaders Podcast. If we said something today that resonated with you, 
please connect with me at megandemartino.com. I have a free gift for you, my book, Hope and Possibilities Just Over the Horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. Be blessed.